Hello, readers. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this is a bookin brought to you by Explore Booksellers, Aspen, Colorado's trusted community bookstore. Wherever you are in the world, it is always good to explore. My guest today is Catherine Bromwich. She is a writer and a commissioning editor on the Observer newspaper in London, and she has contributed to publications including Little White Lies, Dazed, Vice, Time Out, and The Independent. Her new novel is At the Edge of the Woods, which is published by our friends at $2 Radio. Catherine, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It is an honor to have you here, Catherine. And my first question for you is, how did you find your way to my friends at $2 Radio for the release of your novel? And what has it been like working with them? Uh, yeah, so my agent, Matt, um, sent it to various publishers in the US. And uh, in the end, it came down to, to two. And uh, $2 Radio just seemed like um, a, a really... Um, good fit for the novel and for, for my style and um uh they have just such a vibrant and forward-thinking aesthetic and like the, the cover designs are great and that the, i like the idea that's a kind of family-run uh business um and yeah eric's been great and eliza they, they've been really uh supportive and welcoming and uh yeah it's been a really great experience so far and um yes yeah, it is um really exciting to be part of um a stable of authors such as like melanie finn and sarah rosetta who i love so yeah i'm excited <laughs> yeah and melanie and sarah uh have both been on this program in the past readers so look those up um but yeah i do love the cover it's one of those covers that i feel like aesthetically uh really goes with the book like when i'm reading the book or thinking about it the cover pops into my mind and so you know that it was well chosen um yeah when i saw it i was like oh my god how did you find that photo right <laughs> it's like, from my mind <laughs> yeah yeah it's very good well let's now dive into the content of this excellent novel at the edge of the woods and first catherine uh, to begin your book you chose a quote by richard powers from his novel the overstory um i love richard powers he has been on this program before uh here at explore booksellers in aspen the overstory last year in 2022 was still one of our top 10 bestsellers. My question for you, Catherine, is why do you think the overstory keeps selling? And what does this quote that you have chosen mean to your novel? Uh, well, it's um, a fantastic book and it covers so much. Um, but uh, I think it's the more um, uh, the, the the world uh, uh, catches fire, the, the, the more... Uh, people realize how important nature uh, is and specifically trees and forests and uh, how basically the earth is a very delicate ecosystem and uh, 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 it's just so beautifully captured in Richard Powers's uh, work and uh, uh, yeah the, the, there are so many kind of themes and kind of subplots in, in that novel that really kind of spoke to me um, but yeah, specifically that that quote comes from um, uh, towards the end, where um, uh, um, um, this 
woman who's lived in the forests and kind of uh, has uh, communed with trees and she's kind of found out about um, uh, how trees communicate with each other, which uh, I've read recently is maybe not scientifically mm. hugely accurate mm. or it's slightly disputed, but I just found it a very like generative idea. I found it very inspiring. And um, yeah, I actually, um, uh, I interviewed Michael Pollan, the author a few years ago, and he mentioned it and when I spoke to him, I, I thought, wow, I need to read this book. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, Wonderful. That's great. And he was on our program for his next book, uh, Bewilderment, which is also very, very good. Um, well, thank you, Catherine. My next question is, why do you think stories about living in the wilderness, uh, as your book is, uh, why do you think these stories continue to captivate our minds in 2023? Um, I think especially during the pandemic, uh, <laughs> it felt like it felt like a very appealing uh, idea just to yeah. be able to escape, especially I, I live in central London and uh, there were just people everywhere. Um, and yeah, uh, uh, you can really leave the flat for more than an hour a day. And it was it just felt very like I just felt very trapped, and uh, I, I kept kind of just thinking about <laughs> just you know running away from it all, going into the mountains, mm. uh, uh, and um, uh, yeah, and uh, I think there's just like something deep inside of us that kind of feels it, nature is uh, you know people might understand more and more how important it is for people for mental health mm. for um you know um all sorts of uh, uh uh you know physical health mental health uh, uh like in the japanese um um idea of forest bathing and mm. how just being a touching soil kind of basically gives you is is just really good for you um and uh, I think in modern life, uh, there's fewer and fewer opportunities to do that. And there's just something just quite primal about <laughs> going back to the earth. I think that that's why so many people want to, I don't know, do a paleo diet or, or mm. just kind of pretend they're cavemen when, when you know, they're just um, bankers living in, um, <laughs> you know, uh, in uh, in the UK, <laughs> I, I think you know uh, we, we are still animals inside, and uh, um, it's just uh, it's just an aspect of our personality that we don't access every day. Uh, yeah. So yeah, accessing it in literature or in art uh, just feels like a way of escaping that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Catherine. I've got a couple of more um, kind of big picture uh, questions about your novel. Um, when I think of great narratives, popular narratives about living off the grid, I think of books like Walden uh, or Into the Wild even. And to state the obvious, Catherine, these are stories about men. Mm -hmm. um, how does a narrative about living in the wilderness off the grid change when the protagonist is a woman? Um, yeah, um, yeah, that was definitely in my mind, uh, when I was writing, um, uh, I think also a lot of kind of nature writing by men is about kind of conquering the landscape and kind of like summiting the highest mountain or, uh, just like, there's quite a, quite a combative element while 
Um, I think that that was something I was trying to avoid. Um, uh, on on the Walden uh, front, um, I, one book that I was really inspired by was uh, uh, Claire Louise Bennett's Pond, which is mm. a, a slightly kind of a companion piece, but uh, in a much more kind of um, feminine, modern, experimental uh, way of thinking about uh, living off grid and uh, uh, just being away from society and um and living that slightly unusual lifestyle um so that that was one um touchstone uh but um really I, I, it just for me it just started with this idea of a woman living in the woods with a mysterious past and mm. so I, I didn't really know much more about it so i just wrote until I figured out her past and uh, what her story was. And uh, so just kind of came again about organically. It's, um, so it, it's not like I set out to write a particular thing. It just emerged as as they went along, if yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it does, absolutely. Um, thank you. And to continue along this line of questioning for one more moment, uh, when I think of these wilderness narratives uh, that have captured the imagination of the world, uh, which I think Catherine's yours will as well, um, I'm, you know, I'm in, by the way, I'm in agreement with Eric at $2 Radio there. It's, it's such a wonderful novel. Uh, but when I think of these narratives, um, it is often a person, a man of privilege who is choosing to live this lifestyle in the wild. And these people uh, have the means to make a such a decision to go out into the wilderness because if it doesn't work out, they have a safety net. Um, is there a wilderness narrative that you're aware of uh, that features an underprivileged person? Um, or do you think that such a narrative has the potential to capture the imagination of the literary public in a way that like Walden or into the wild has. Um, uh, I'm not sure I'm the best person to uh, answer that. Um, uh, I'm not sure the character in the, in the, in the novel uh, is particularly underprivileged. Uh, so that's not what I personally was trying to explore mm -hmm. um uh i i know that there's a lot of um especially in the uk there's a lot of movement about uh getting people involved in the outdoors mm -hmm. who come from backgrounds who don't traditionally uh, uh get involved in that kind of thing like there's um uh, urban bird watching tours um aimed at uh, people from kind of uh, inner london um uh, especially people of colour who uh, wouldn't naturally be uh, drawn to this kind of like elderly white uh, male <laughs> mm. uh, pastime. Um, so I, I think there's a lot that's happening there in, in terms of kind of decolonizing the wilderness. That's really interesting. Mm. Um, uh, in terms of underprivileged, um, uh, I'll have to have a think and come back to you. Yeah, yeah, no worries. I was just, it was, you know, and as I was thinking about it last night, uh, preparing for this interview, I just thought, huh, like, you know, all of these narratives are about people who, who can decide to do this, not someone who has to do it out of necessity. Um, and I find that very interesting. Well, thank you, Catherine. We will dive uh, into some of the details of your book after the break. But first, listeners, we are going to pause here. 
for a word from our sponsor, and then I will be right back with Catherine Bromwich. The Book and Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore, Quail Ridge Books. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of Bookin can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter Bookin, B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'm back with Catherine Bromwich, author of At the Edge of the Woods, which is published by our friends at $2 Radio. Catherine, I want to talk about the opening of your novel now. Um, and the first sentence is, quote, In the mornings, when my thoughts have not yet arranged themselves into their familiar malevolent shapes, and the day is still unformed, I wake up before dawn and sheathe myself in layer upon layer of coarse, heavy clothing and walk deep into the woods while my eyes adjust to the velvety darkness. End quote. And Catherine, I'm hoping you can talk about this notion that there's this period in the morning before one's thoughts are arranged. Uh, is the implication that there is this moment of Zen-like, uh, you know, creation where one can reform themselves before the day begins? Yeah, that's the, that's a really interesting question. I, I think um, uh, th there's a lot of the novel that happens at the edge <laughs> uh, between waking and uh, uh, something kind of more uncon unconscious. Mm. Uh, so uh, whether it's she's uh, the, the character in the book at some point tries to um, manipulate her own dreams or her memories. And uh, so there's elements of lucid dreaming or kind of just kind of tampering with things that probably shouldn't be tampered with. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, there's kind of in between waking and, and um, uh, sleeping um, kind of area is, is very uh, just compelling to me. It just um, feels like somewhere where <laughs> things can happen that shouldn't be happening. And um Later on in the novel, uh, that start <laughs> things start to go a bit wrong that way. Um, so yeah, that um, uh, yeah, that that felt like a like an appropriate place to start. Yeah, I agree. It's a fantastic opening sentence, and another line from this first chapter that I marked is about a mountain, uh, the mountain, and about how if the protagonist does not disturb it it will allow her to pass unharmed. And Catherine, um, can you talk about this concept that our protagonist, Laura, uh, has about the mountain's sentience and what this tells us about her? Yeah, um, so, um, uh, yeah, a few things uh, kind of inspired uh, those kinds of ideas. Uh, so um, one was, um, I went to Peru uh, few years ago before the pandemic and um the, 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 they have these huge beautiful mountains uh that are 
incredibly dangerous and uh, um, that the weather can turn really quickly and um, uh, and that in 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 the past uh, that they were seen uh, by by the uh, local populations as uh, as gods and it's it's easy to see why because um, (laughs) a they're huge (laughs) and b uh, just people's whole lives depend on the whims of the mountain um and so so that they did all these quite um uh, horrific human sacrifices um because they felt that the mountains were sentient and um that they felt like uh, if they did x the mountain would do y mm. in response to what they were doing um uh so that that was that was one aspect and uh also um Another influence on on the book was um, uh, uh, the other book that I, I quote in the um, epigraph is uh, Nan Shepherd's uh, the, the Living Mountain. Uh, mm. So Nan Shepherd is uh, was um, a Scottish nature writer uh, who wrote this uh, just very beautiful lyrical book about um, this Scottish mountain range called the Cairngorms, um, and. Yeah, um, she, uh, she's a female uh, a nature writer, um, and uh, just the way she wrote about the mountain was much more about being in tune with it and understanding it, and not kind of you know um, trying to uh, beat it at whatever game uh, you know mountaineers often um, do, which is interesting in its own way. But it, I feel like that's not the only way to think about nature and mountains and uh, those kinds of landscapes mm. so yeah th- th- those were both things that they were feeding feeding them ideas behind the novel yeah absolutely as someone who uh, both lives and works yeah. on a mountain um i know that resonates with me and i know it will for uh, lots of our customers here at explore booksellers well um thank you Catherine. can you now <laughs> tell us why laura is so mm. worried about what people will think about her drinking wine. <laughs> um, well, um, uh, I didn't reveal at what point uh, in history that the book is set. I, 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 I like to keep it a little bit vague, uh, but it's it's in the past, and um, it's um, it's set in a time when women were supposed to behave in a certain way and. Yeah very decorous and kind of um spartan and kind of um well behaved and that's still true to a certain extent of course Mm -hmm. um and so in the beginning she she really cares about what the villagers think about you know what what she's wearing and what she's saying and what she's drinking what she's eating and as the novel progresses uh that becomes less of a concern um so a lot of the novel is about her kind of escaping the trappings of um, what is societally expected of her. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the wine is just one one of the things that uh, people in the village disapprove of about her. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. And I, I think maybe that will tie into our, our next question here, which is, um, should we be surprised that someone... Uh, Laura, who is choosing to live in this cabin in the woods, is also someone who practices her smile in the mirror. 
Um, uh, sorry, can you just repeat the question? Yeah. Um, so should we be surprised that we have this character, Laura, um, who is making the decision to live this kind of Spartan lifestyle, um, in the woods, kind of off the beaten path that she's also someone who takes the time to practice her smile in the mirror because she's worried about kind of what people in this society are going to think about her. Well, well, the two things are maybe related, where mm. maybe perhaps she's escaping, um, you know, uh, conventional society because she cares so much what people think, mm. maybe. Or uh, on the other hand, it could be that she doesn't feel comfortable doing those things and it just feels like a performance for her. So um, it's not really something that comes naturally and uh so she kind of feels more at home away from that and kind of living in, in more simple and more, it, it, maybe not more simple, but uh, a life where there's less dissimulation or um, kind of pretending or, you know, um, um, ingratiating herself to uh, strangers or acquaintances, or shopkeepers, or, you know, any, anyone who um, will have an opinion on her and uh, <laughs> the quality of her smile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Catherine. Um, finally, there is a line in your novel that uh, to make up for the fact that she, Laura, does not attend church, she makes sure to regularly stop by and exchange pleasantries with the priest. And my question, Catherine, is why does Laura feel like she has to make up for the fact that she doesn't attend church? And what does this tell us about the town that she is living on the periphery of? Well, the, the novel is set in Italy, um, in, you know, in the past. And, um, even now, I'm half Italian. My mum's Italian. I I grew up there, and um, it is still a very Catholic country. Like people, people do go to church. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure how many people these days, but um, it's in you know, there's a lot of um, <laughs> um, religion is still more powerful in in that country than in maybe in in the UK. Let's perhaps a little, little bit more secular uh, in everyday life. Uh, but um, especially in the past, uh, it, in Italy, the church uh, was very powerful and um, uh, it controlled what people thought and um, did. And and there was, there is, the, the, there's a lot of hypocrisy around that mm. um, as well. And um um yeah and that's just an, another way of showing that she doesn't quite fit in she's maybe more of an in, independent thinker than um some of the other people who she uh lives among and yeah yeah the, the village um i i don't name it I, I don't say where it's set but um I, i'm thinking of quite a traditional conservative um uh society that um uh, would 
distrust outsiders, especially if they don't um, do the right things or follow the same uh, customs and, uh, you know, genuflect and um, pray and kind of wear rosary beads or whatever uh, women um, were expected to do at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Catherine. And one last question, um, just loosely affiliated with your novel, as we've been talking a lot about um, the pandemic and uh, people, you know, maybe going back into nature or becoming interested in going back into nature, at least um, as a result of the pandemic these last few years, what is the current state of the pandemic in the UK? How are things going over there? Um, um, It's uh i mean uh, for me personally it's slightly different than the rest of the country because um i I, i'm recovering from long covid so for me Mm -hmm. it still feels like it's still going on more than for other people um i mean i'm more or less better i can see the light at the end of the tunnel Mm -hmm. and uh, i'm doing doing more and i'm seeing friends i'm not wearing a mask all the time but uh for, for other people it, it just seems to be completely over like um um lots of people don't wear a mask on the underground or trains or planes and um so i, I think you know um uh, understandably everyone wants to move forward with their lives and no one wants to move forward more than me i i mean i i just never really want to think about it again right. but uh unfortunately uh yeah, I, it's probably best if I'm. I still continue to be careful around it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you're recovering, Catherine. And I think similarly, you know, um, I've met a couple of people who are recovering from long COVID, but we're having to treat it more seriously here in Aspen than most other locations because so much of our population here is coming from other parts of the world. We're a huge tourist town. I think you know we only have like two thousand people that live here all year long, <laughs> but. Um, you know, everyone owns uh, homes here. They're coming from Europe, coming from Russia, coming from, you know, all over the place. So we're not only having to worry about how we approach it here, but how everyone's approaching it everywhere else in the world, because uh, they're all coming here to ski or whatever. It's uh, interesting times, but but mostly, Catherine, I'm glad you're feeling better and hope you continue to do so. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listeners, I've been speaking with Catherine Bromwich, author of the excellent new novel, At the Edge of the Woods, which is published by our friends at $2 Radio. Catherine, thank you so much for joining me. Great. Thanks so much, Jason. Once again, I would like to thank Catherine Bromwich for joining me. Copies of At the Edge of the Woods can be purchased from www.explorebooksellers.com with free shipping for members of Explore More Plus. I would also like to thank our sponsors, Libro FM Audio Books. Please navigate over to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, to get one free audiobook and support your favorite local independent bookstore in the process. My name is Jason Jefferies, and this has been Booking.